Welcome to the Winsome Conviction Project. My name is Tim Mielhoff. I'm one of the co-directors along with Dr. Rick Langer. And those of you tuning in to hear the art of relationships, don't change that dial. This is actually a joint podcast. Uh, so we're interviewing a friend of mine, Nick Drosis, who heads up a group called Defensive Tactics. He's one of Canada's top defense experts. Uh, I'm a level two instructor with his system, some of the best training I've ever had. Um, so we wanted to bring him in, uh, both podcasts, but let me just give you a little bit of the rationale from the winsome conviction side of things. Consider these statistics. Since the 2016 presidential election, nearly a third of people report they have stopped talking to a friend or family member due to political disagreements. Wow. In a comprehensive survey of college students, an alarmingly large number of students believe it is acceptable to act, including resorting to violence, to shut down expression of opinions they consider offensive. 25% of women, 30% of men regard violence as a normal and even positive part of a marriage. Uh, this has caught the attention of people with it throughout the United States. So the retailers of America now offer training to salespeople in verbal self-defense and physical self-defense. Flight attendants are receiving training in verbal de-escalation and physical self-defense. So Nick, one of the reasons we're bringing you on is 20 years ago, Deborah Tannen coined this phrase, the argument culture. I, I wonder, Nick, what she would call it today. Like, if we fast-forwarded 20 years, I wonder if she would rename this something even more severe. Well, I could tell you, looking at the self-defense industry like we talked about it before, um, you know, I've been in it for 20 years. 15, 15 years ago, um, nobody was interested in self-defense. Mm. People didn't really care to learn. People I would reach out if they wanted privates or training their kids Fast forward to today, um, I've seen uh, more demands for seminars, more people wanting to learn self-defense, more people wanting to learn how to defend themselves, their kids. It feels like there's like a growth of violence. And I believe it's almost like you said, uh, and I see it within, you know, um, even in, in, in Montreal, where I'm from, where there, we have stabbings every week mm. shootings every week mm. which didn't happen where there's teenage kids carrying knives because there's you know they're afraid their friends are carrying so they start carrying so it's almost like it's compounded like the, the violence creates more violence and i feel like that cluster effect is actually happening and it's almost like we're, we're telling people it's okay like mm. because if you're those statistics are high they make like to be able to say it's okay to use violence to shut somebody down oh my goodness, yeah. that's unbelievable like where do we where where's where do we put the where do we draw the line at 30 40 50 and the more it goes up yeah. the more people feel like okay well if you're going to use violence i'm going to use violence and then yeah. everybody starts using that so um it's th those are scary statistics when you look at those and let me give you a for instance of what this actually looks like so i have a good friend of mine who put on an event at a university, and they were bringing in um, a conservative judge to talk about some issues. They were thrilled that the place was packed. Like, like they had anticipated a certain audience. Well, there was almost overflow. So in the minute they introduced the judge, what they realized is the first five rows were all plants of people who disagreed with the judge. And the minute the judge said his first word, 
five rows stood up and started shouting at him. That's literally drowned him out. He could not speak. Well, now you can imagine the people that were there who wanted to hear him are now shouting at five rows of people who turn around and are shouting at them. My friend said, I was fearful for my life. He said, I am not exaggerating. I mean, there was no way campus security, even if they came, could have contained a room of, let's say, I think he said there was roughly 500 people. So that's a mob waiting to happen. So, Nick, at the Winsome Conviction Project, we are all about de-escalation. Like, let's not get to the point where we're screaming at each other. Um, And one of the things I appreciate about you is that you are very quick to say, listen, we're we're not getting to the point where we're hitting each other. Although that's part of self-defense is how do you strike? How do you protect? But there's so many things before that. And so let's kind of talk to the listeners who are like, listen, I'm... I'm not in an abusive marriage. I don't anticipate getting into a fist fight with a coworker, and I, I certainly am not part of that mob violence yeah. at that university. But let's say a conversation's getting heated, yeah. and you start to realize, man, we're really raising the volume here and even getting kind of ugly at each other. What should happen in that moment that you can do as an individual? You can't control the other person, no. but what could you do to kind of reel it back in yourself? Well, I think I always say first you got to be in the present moment, Mm. right? Get out of your head. Don't start creating stories, assuming what might happen, what could happen. Don't feed into his fight, Mm. right? Control it through what you could do. And what could we we do? I know you talked about breathing. The first thing is start breathing, right? Start trying to calm down your nervous system. Stay focused. Still be aware of, because at any point, he still might decide to attack you. So even though you're using, uh, you know, you're de-escalating, you're controlling the situation, I would say still be aware of everything, of his body language, just so you're prepared. From there, again, you want to use everything you can to defuse, de-escalate. Don't don't challenge him. Don't threaten him. Don't fight his fight, Mm -hmm. right? So you have to flip the script on him and find a way. I go, you're either going to fight his fight or you're going to make him fight your fight. Mm -hmm. So... You, you know, breathing, staying in the present moment, trying to stay calm, don't raise your voice. It's not only what you say, but the tone of voice and the way you say this just as important to what you're going to say. Yeah, in communication, we'd call that communication spirals. That the, What a great phrase, because we, we'd get the other phrase, that spiraled out of control. And what we want to do is simply put speed bumps to keep it from gaining momentum. So let's go back to the breathing thing yeah. real quick. Um, Horan Gracie of the great Gracie jiu-jitsu clan finally came out with his autobiography where he's going to talk about his personal take on jiu-jitsu. Do you know what he called the book? No. Breathe. Breathe. He said the art of jiu-jitsu can be regulated to breathing when you got a guy on top of you and yeah. you're trying to, hey, make sure to breathe. So, so for the listeners, let's be really practical. If you were to YouTube mindfulness or breathing, you'd find 50 million. Yeah. But here's one that's just super practical is you breathe in for three, you hold for three, and then you breathe out as if you're blowing out a candle on a birthday cake, right? So it literally would sound like this. Breathe in for three, hold for three, and then breathe out for three. Now, when you feel like the conversation is getting heated and your heart's doubling, it is really good just to literally, what Gracie would say, Take a breath. Take a breath, yeah. That can't be overstated because we got to de-escalate ourselves 
before we try to de-escalate the other person. That's why, like yesterday, the scenarios we were doing mm. were so good because you have to do it under stress. Under stress, yeah. So when we do scenarios and I'm verbally attacking you, I'm in your face, I'm threatening you, is you have to be able to, again, the situational awareness, because it has to be present, you have to de-escalate, mm -hmm. and you have to remember to, to breathe yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Because you're under a high stress situation, right? So you're, you have to, it, it, this doing those multiple things have to be trained, where you're not thinking, oh, yeah. let me breathe, let me be aware, let me, no. Through training and proper training and doing it enough, that's why we do pressure training and testing and scenarios. So you do it uh, naturally where you're not thinking of them. And through training, you could think of them as you do them. But then it should yeah. just happen naturally. And that's what I love about the breathing is you can do it in, in the car when you're running just a little bit late and you're at a red light. You're like, that is a non-self-defense situation. But that's a perfect breathing up. If you're a student getting ready for a big test, man, use that breathing. Um, let me tell you a funny story, Nick. So my wife uh, suggested we go skydiving on our honeymoon. So I said yes, because what am I supposed to say to my young bride? No, honey, that frightens me. So I'm in this airplane, and the jump master, the woman who's taking us out, said this. I'll never forget it. She said, listen, you can choose not to go out of the airplane, but once you get on what they call the preparation board, it is more dangerous to bring you in. You're going out. But you don't have to get on the board. So, Nick, it's a, it's a small Cessna, so we are literally in two rows with people between our legs uh, so we can maximize the space. We got, you know, parachutes on. The woman in front of me is freaking out. Like, I don't know her. I've kind of trained with her for a half day. I don't really know her. She's freaking out. The jump, like saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. The jump master walked over and said, look at me. Look at me. Breathe. Breathe. And she, I literally saw a woman who was almost hyperventilating be brought right back down through breathing. And she, she did jump, oh, that's which, awesome. which was really cool. But think about that. She could bring her down by breathing. So what we're saying is when things are starting to get heated. By the way, it's even when you're having a family reunion and you know the certain family member is going to be there. And you're just like, oh. And you hear that doorbell go. And you're like, yeah, that'd be like... All right, this is going to go good. <laughs> yeah, 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 and positive thoughts. Yeah, positive thoughts. Man, yeah. that is so basic. Yeah, yeah. But um, shallow breaths, they say, make you more anxious. Okay, so first thing we do, we got to de-escalate ourselves yeah. or this thing's going to go sideways. You mentioned something. Let's talk about. So they're raising their voice. They're getting snarky. They're taking a step towards you. How should we react? I love that phrase. What did you say? Don't fight their fight? Yeah, don't fight their fight. I like, that's really cool. Look, I did 10 years of security. Mm. Every night somebody challenged him to fight. Every, every night somebody was aggressive. You know, you kick out everything from, you know, the drunk guy to, to the woman. Who, you know, I've had women try to attack me in the club. You know what I mean? Who are drunk, try to right. hit me with a bottle right. over the right. head, right? So I've been put in so many situations, and I can say through my experience, 90% of them I was able to defuse it only because I was able to pattern interrupt anything that. Any pattern interrupt, explain that. That means whatever, like, um, you know, like if, if he's telling me, you know, um, you know, you know, you want to fight, you know, like, like, what's your problem in a fight? No, man, I really don't want to fight. I just, you know, I've been having a bad day today. Um, you know, I just, you know, I, 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 look, I hate keeping you waiting, 
but I don't have a choice. But I mean, it's not you, man. I just today I'm, you know, not feeling my best. So just give me five minutes. Let me see what I could do. It's like, let it out. And you found that that what reaction did that have on? It, it always calmed down the situation. Wow. Right, because I'm 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 breaking his 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 his, his thought process of where he's going to go. So if he's thinking he's going to challenge me, fight like he has a buildup of where he's going to go, and I just redirect him. It's like somebody telling you, "Hey, you got a problem?" Actually, yeah, man, my wife just left me. What? Uh, uh, like you just you just right. you just switch the conversation. So just for the heck of it, Nick, yeah. how, in that situation, yeah. how would you, how would you purposely escalate it? Like, what would you say to escalate it? To, to a guy who's like challenging you or I want in the bar right now. Okay. And so give me the scenario. Yeah. Guy says, listen, I'm, I'm sick of waiting. My girlfriend and I have been waiting for a long time. I can see an empty table right there. Let us in the bar now. Man, look, you know what? I hate, I'm, I feel really bad. I'm sorry. I, you know, my girlfriend too, she'd be annoyed too. Just give me a few more minutes. Let me see what I could do. Right. And you know what? When you go inside, I'll make sure I'll, I'll give you guys around the drinks on the house. Okay, that's perfect. Oh man, that is. So, and did you hear the tone of Nick's Very calm. voice? Calmness. <laughs> By the way, we mentioned so Nick. Nick is here partly. We're we're uh, recording this during April, which is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. It's so cool that Biola University, like most universities in the entire country, observe Sexual Assault Awareness Month to to draw attention to violence that's happening to both men and women. If you want to hear what it's like for it to happen to a man, please listen to the podcast we did with Nick um, right before this, of where he experienced that as a self-defense instructor. But Nick, the thing I'm picking up on from a communication standpoint is just the tone Tone. and softness of your voice. That's how I control it. Yeah. And this is how I speak to my son. Oh, you're so, a better man than me. When, 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 <laughs> like when I want, right. it's more powerful. Yep. When yep. you, when I tell my son, you know, Noah, I'm not really happy about what you did. Mm. I mean, mm. I'm a little bit upset, yeah. but I mean, we'll talk about it. And it's just, but I, I don't believe in the screaming, the yelling, because I scream and yell. What's your response? Oh, absolutely, gonna meet it. That's the spiral. That's the spiral. So, Nick, the reason I laughed is I have three adult sons. So when you have three adult sons, that means they went through the teen years, yeah. right? What did Mark Twain say about teenage boys? When they're 12, stick them in a barrel, cut out a breathing hole. When they turn 16, plug up the hole. <laughs> like, yeah. That's Mark Twain, right? So I, the, I had good days, bad days, yeah. Nick. And I'm a comm professor. You walk up to the room, you ask them to clean the room. That's a totally legitimate expectation. I walk in, the place looks like a bomb went off, Nick. So John Gottman would say the first 30 seconds yes. is going to determine that. Come And on a good day, I would do what you're uh, One, breathe. That'd be really good. You open that door, you look, and you go, okay, I need to close this door and take a breath. Okay, now I'm going to walk back in. I have a decision to make. How do I want this conversation to go? I can say, dude, that's clean. Yeah. That is not clean. You will not disrespect me. Welcome to being grounded for two weeks. Boom, I escalated. Or take a deep breath and say, hey, so what's going on? I, I asked you to clean. Like, what's, what's, ha- what's happening in your life? Like, how's school going? Because I know you wouldn't just disrespect me this way. Or, or something That's like that. That's a lot that. more powerful. Someone. That's a lot. You know, you know what? Even as I said that, Nick, my, my, I thought. My son told me something. Oh. He said, Dad, how come you've never grounded me? Never grounded him. Really? I said, no, 
I, I grew up in a home where I was yelling, screaming, slamming doors, mm. smashing stuff. This I grew up. Yeah. I said, I grew up in that. So I come in the room, I yell at you, you get mad, you yell at me, you slam the door, I get mad. Look at this toxic energy we're creating in our home. I don't want that. I want you to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And to me, like example, I bought him a pair of jeans. This was last week. His jeans were on the floor. He threw them on the floor. I said, come here. I bought those jeans. I paid them for you. Mm. And You're going to throw them on the floor just Mm. like that? I go, it's very simple. I want you to pick up the jeans. I want you to fold them nicely. Next time I see them on the floor, guess what? You're going to have to buy your own jeans. Mm. And I walk away. That's it. I don't scream. I don't yell. I remember one time we were at a friend's house and the kid slammed the door. He goes, Dad, what would you do if I slammed the door? I go, very simple. I would take off the hinges, take off your door for a month. Mm. Very just, very calmly. Mm. Mm. That I, 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 he, he knows, but like I don't, I don't, again, maybe because I was raised like that and I don't want to reproduce it in my home. See, Nick, I think we kind of stumbled onto a principle here. Let's flesh this out a little bit. So I walk up to that room I open the door and I see that the place is a mess. Okay, my expectation was not met. I phrased it in such a way, and I saw your eyes when I said, hey, because I know you wouldn't disrespect me this way. So here's kind of a good principle communication scholars talk about. It's always good to pause and collect your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And then I would add one more. Share those thoughts with another person because once you share it with a person, you can't take it back. How many... I'm sure the listeners can relate to this. There have been times I have crafted an email, Nick. It is ready to go. All I need to do is hit send. And I have asked my wife, who's very sharp, hey, can you just read this real quick? And Noreen is like, so what are you hoping this does? Because I We've tell all you, done that. I've done it's that too. too aggressive, Tim. Yeah. I'm like, really? And she's like, Tim, I, yeah, don't be hit and send on that, right? That's a great principle. But can I tell you something I figured out about that? Because I tried, like... Write five. Write one email and give it to five people. Oh, nice. Okay? Yeah. Give it to five people and test out something. Because I kind of did it. Give it to him when he's in a bad mood. He's going to read it in a bad yeah. mood. Give it to somebody who's in a good mood. He's going to read it oh, in a form of a good mood. Because yeah. I, I, like, how you feel is how you're, you, I believe you're going to interpret what's written. I think that's really true. If you're, yeah. if you're more of a suspicious person, mm-hmm. like, you know, I I have my cousin's more of a very more sus- he believes in all these conspiracy. If I give him something, it's not true. There's there's something off here. Mm-hmm. If I give that same letter to like somebody else that I that I trust who who's not suspicious, I'm gonna be like, okay, it's not. If I give it to somebody who's more aggressive, this is an aggressive letter. So it's very hard, like how the person will read it, and I believe it depends on. That's that. how they feel or how they how they interpret their own thoughts through and how they see life that's mm-hmm. i kind of saw it because i tested it out that's really good so what we're saying is what the book of proverbs says in the old testament which is life and death is in the power of the tongue and once you say something you can evoke oh, death into the relationship I so agree. my wife would be proud of this illustration because nick i'm not a mr fix a guy i don't know if you no, are no no zero, oh, zero. <laughs> I, I, I love that i, I love can't screw on a light bulb <laughs> no i can't i can't i'm like I can't. But my friends who are Mr. Fix-It told me one time, measure twice, cut once. Because once you cut, you can't take back the cut. Oh, you're so true. Right? So I think that's a communication principle. Yeah. 
is, hey, measure your words twice, because once I say it, I can't take that back. And I've seen relationships in my own life where now you're in damage control for days, months, weeks, years because of something that was said. And I believe there's certain things in a relationship you say you could never take back. You can never take Never. Back. So be very careful. I know right. because I've been on yeah. both sides of the coin where I've said things. Well, looking back, I said, I can't believe I said that. And I things, and that even if you're with that person, you know mm-hmm. that you said, I hate you or I regret being married to you or I should have never... You can never take never that back. Take that it's back. always back there in, in your mind. Yeah. And I say, like, the words you say, they have a huge impact in, yeah. in in your life. And, again, even if you try to forget them, they're always back there somewhere. That's, yeah, there was one study uh, done that said when a person verbalizes divorce, says it, that the chance of that couple actually getting divorced goes up by 30%. I I know because when I got divorced, you know, I said, you know what, you know, if you're not happy, you know what, let's just get divorced. The moment I said that, I think subconsciously I had made the decision Mm. to get divorced. Mm. Mm. And it's interesting because I've done that with all the girls I've dated, Mm. right? I broke up, got together, broke up, got divorced. The only person that's never came on the table once in four years is who I'm with right now. Right, right. And, and 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 I know that the moment we start using those verbal attacks to each other, the sarcasm, the putting down, I know that all that's going to spiral eventually because subconsciously we both made the decision that we're not sure if we really want this. Yeah. So John Gottman, who's one of the top uh, communication researchers in the world, he says the secret to a healthy... Think about this, Nick. I think this is a mind-blowing quote by Gottman. The secret to any relationship, marriage, is what he calls the five-to-one ratio. So for every one negative comment, it takes five positive interactions to overcome the one negative. Now, you you might be listening going, oh, my gosh, I think there's been seasons where I've been five negative to one positive. Well, think about what Gottman says. Um, A positive doesn't uh, can be anything from... Um, your spouse walks into the room, you smile, positive interaction. You send them a text, hey, thinking about you, positive interaction. Hey, I'm going to get a bowl of ice cream. Would you like one? Positive interaction. So they don't have to be these big dramatic things. But he says, listen, it's n- I've tested this. We talk about pressure testing yeah. and self-defense. He did the longest study of married couples in the United States in the history of marital research, 5,000 couples over a long period of time. He said two to one does not work. Like, Nick, yeah. I think two to one or three to one is like divine. He says, no, 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 five, it takes five to overcome one. So for me to remember that in my work relationships, my parenting, marriage, my students, you got to be careful once that word comes out. There's work to be doing yeah. to overcome that. So here's what I think is interesting, Nick, is um, people are thinking, boy, I thought it was a self-defense expert. Like, when do we get to the punching, kicking? And, and, and Nick is great at that. And you can check out his website. We'll talk about that in a minute. But all of this is to avoid that yeah. and put in the hard work, be as dedicated to avoid the fight yeah. as you would be to win it if, if you had to fight. Yeah. And that's what we really believe is let's not get there. Because once you throw that punch, that can't be taken back either. Yeah, absolutely. So, Nick, tell us a little bit about 
defensive tactics and about your website and how our listeners can check out what you're doing. Well, I've been teaching self-defense for close to 20 years. Mm. I grew up in a rough, more poor neighborhood um, where, you know, being bullied, picked on, fighting was part of your survival. Right. You had like it wasn't like it is today. You, mm. you didn't go to your mom, say, Mom, somebody hit me. It was like, well, you know, it's your problem. Like, you know, you know, it's up to you to defend yourself. Mm. And I was a very skinny, scrawny kid, so I had to learn how to fight. So then I got into Kung Fu and then Taekwondo mm. and then boxing, kickboxing, MMA. And then it, it became my life for me. It mm. was everything for me. Yeah. As well with my learning disabilities, I had to drop out of school, high school when I was young and go to work and help my family. And I was lucky enough to find my way through martial arts, through self-defense, and worked hard enough to make it, to turn my passion into a full-time career yeah. where now I'm traveling, so I'm, I'm living the dream. Yeah. If, if in a perfect world, I'm doing everything I've wanted to do, to travel the world and teach seminars and empower people, talk about my experience. And a lot of it, I did 10 years security, and that's when I was like, okay, so a lot of stuff I learned that I've never used will never work. And that's how I started putting my system together, yeah. okay? And then creating drills. I would see fights and be like, oh, he got sucker punched. See, look what, let me create a drill like that. That's how yeah. I came up with drills, by real actual events. Mm -hmm. And uh, now I'm you know, happy and I have my, uh, my, my website, nickjoseph.com. I have online courses. I'm teaching seminars. I have instructor courses. And I have great instructors like you, Tim. Oh, that's so fun. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. very picky uh, because I want to build a serious brand. I want a good team. I want <laughs> good instructors that share the same values yeah. as me. So um, I'm uh, I'm very happy to be um, to be living this and honored to have you here. And, oh, it's and so work great to have you. you at Biola. I mean, we need to. I mean, it's a sad reality. It, it does make me sad that we have to have Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Yeah. But to turn a blind eye to it, and today uh, in Deborah Tannen's argument culture, we cannot turn a blind eye that conversations are getting ugly and physical. Um, fights are literally breaking out on airplanes. And we, and we just have to know, know, can I see the danger and can I mitigate it as I see it starting to go negative? Yeah. And that's what you're about, and that's what the Winsome Conviction Project's about. Hey, thank you for listening to this joint podcast. We love the CMR. We love the Art of Relationships podcast, and it's kind of fun to be able to do these together. We've now done a couple. Um, if you want to check out more about the Winsome Conviction po Project, just go to winsomeconviction.com, and you'll see all of our podcasts and materials, articles we've written, and things like that. So, hey, thank you so much. Nick, thank you for being a part of this. Tim, thank you so much for having me. And uh, thank you to everybody for listening. And uh, I love California. Love it. <laughs> All right. Thank you.